Knockout Ginger, episode 48 with Chris Platt. You know him and you love him. Guitar player, composer, band leader, teacher, book reader, you know, all the things. My favorite beard oil is Barden Beard Oil, handmade in Toronto, B-A-A-R-D-E-N. They make quality beard care products for quality beards. And I even put it on my head sometimes. Uh, I'm a big fan of of all this stuff. I use the beard wash and the oil all the time. Um, Use code KNOCKOUT at checkout for 20% off your order. Thanks for listening. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. My parents have just have their shows that they're trying to watch, and it's just all uh, fighting over the couch, you know. (laughs) You know, there's 17 hockey games on every day. Yeah. And I can't watch all of them. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you not tape them on your end? Yeah, I can, but it's just, it's, yeah. uh, you know. How are you liking the, uh, the way they've set it up where there's like the, the Canadian league, right? Yeah. What are they calling it officially? Scotiabank North Division. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But on, uh, on TSN, sometimes they call it the Gord Downey Division. Oh, nice. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like it. having something on TV later in the day that I'm looking forward to is just like, that's all, that's all I need. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. Especially because like, there's, there's like nothing else to look forward to in the evening, which is what, I mean, this is the first winter that I know of in my whole life where, uh, it was like the sun going down earlier actually mattered to me. And, uh, like, how do you mean? So like every, every winter was like, Oh, I'm going to see a show later or I have a gig later. Or, uh, so like it, it being dark at like 4 PM never bothered me. Cause it was always like, oh, I, see. like yeah. I, I guess I got stuff to do later on whatever. But now it's like, uh, I mean, not, not so much, now that we're in February, but definitely like December, January, like 4 p.m. would roll around. I'd be like, the sun's going down. Quick, get the dog dressed. We're going for a walk. Like, <laughs> we're, we're going to enjoy the sun. <laughs> but, uh, it, like, that, yeah, this is the first year because well, of because of the lockdown, right? But uh, uh, whenever people talked about, like, uh, you know, being bummed out that uh, that it's wintertime or anything, it never never really affected me. Uh, in terms of like mood or uh, energy or anything, because it was always like, oh, nighttime is when stuff happens, right? Daytime is just to, you know, get around to the fun stuff at night. I don't know. Right? Are you um, you're still teaching a lot? Yeah, I'm teaching more than I've ever taught in my whole life. Because I had a, you know, a when when everything happened in March, right? Um, there was, I think what happened? Oh, I don't know. Something, 
I feel, I feel like I read an article or two in the newspaper. <laughs> uh, and I, I was thinking, I was like, you know, certainly uh, a reaction of some sort, whether it was an overreaction, I don't know. But uh, thinking like, okay, some some people are saying this thing's going to last for like five years. And I'm like, well, I, can, I don't know if I can hold out... Uh, yeah, what do you want me to do? Sit in my basement and practice till I kill myself? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you can't <laughs> five years. Okay. Yeah. Bye. It's like, <laughs> yeah, let me, let me, let me write for my band for that long. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, like things were running through my head where I was, I was like, okay, well, maybe I have to look around for a different job. Maybe I have to reeducate myself. Like, uh, I think a lot of people went through something similar. Not that it was like going through something. It was more just like. If, force you to sort of reassess because like the 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 gigging thing was definitely going to be on hold so i was like uh you know looking at other jobs uh that i could possibly do and i was like oh, i would hate doing all these things because i worked at a grocery store for seven and a half years and like even the thought of going back to something like that was was just like oh it's like so chilling to to think that i would i would uh go back to that after doing it for so long so i essentially i was just like well what what don't i need to retrain for and like uh what can i do and so teaching was uh one thing i knew i you know once i got the hang of it i could do remotely and i essentially uh over the past uh i guess the first seven eight months uh i essentially like tripled my studio uh, just sort of like crazy, just like branching out in every direction to try and get as many students as possible. And everyone is in the same situation in terms of like students, students were in the same situation where there wasn't really like an in-person option. So, um, so yeah, that's, that, that's all I've been doing. Uh, so it's, it's kind of, I like, I like the no commuting part of it. That part's cool. And if a student doesn't show up, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> It's it's so funny that people like that's still a thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, I, I, you know, you think the with uh, learning online, like there would be, like the no show thing would be eliminated, right? Because you couldn't say like, oh, stuck in traffic. Oh, this thing went late. Oh, you know, can't make it to the lesson. But sure enough, uh, people. I would say the most common excuse is I completely forgot, <laughs> which is which yeah, is fun. Fair enough. Which is funny. Yeah, I guess I you know every day feels feels sort of the same. So um, yeah, I can't even like, I I I honestly can't even answer text message or or emails. Like, <laughs> it's uh, having what's the word? Uh, nothing's urgent. Right. So emails come in, and I'm just like. Uh, watching watching something yeah you know like yeah no i i uh, I understand i'm I'm feeling that for sure i'm like the uh once you take away the incentive to be on top of your replying so that being like you know someone texts you about you know a, a gig or something uh you know you gotta you gotta respond pretty quick or like reasonably quick right uh or you know like a deadline for something is coming up you gotta answer about like a rehearsal or whatever but yeah you're right it's like everything 
everything can kind of wait. So the uh, no real incentive to be on top of it, you know. Um, found out. To, I heard some leaked information today that Burlington is, or I guess Halton is opening back up for like inside dining. Whoa, really? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how soon, but that's the the rumor is we're gonna go back to ten people allowed. Wow. And so I, I don't I don't know what I mean. I'm sure Toronto's way off. Yeah, Toron- Toronto's gonna be the absolute last uh, in like the whole country to open up, right? So <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe may, maybe somewhere in Quebec more so, or I don't know. But um, yeah, isn't that crazy? So like you have Peel and then Halton Region are right beside each other. And like you can drive for like twenty minutes and be like, "Oh, this place is open," right across the street. Some place is closed. You know, yeah, it's it's like it's crazy. Yeah. So are you are you gonna do it? Are you gonna dine indoors all the time or what? No. Nope. <laughs> um. Well, I, I shouldn't say that, but. Uh, Yeah, it's hard to say. Like I, I was eating, I was eating indoors at the Rex when we were open. That's true. Yeah, but um, I think that has to do with the fact that I I I knew how seriously everyone was taking it there. Yeah. So like, I went to the Emmett Ray once when everything was open, and it was like, uh, like they were going, they were doing everything. They had. Were you there at all? I no, I didn't go to the Emmet Ray, but I did go to the Rex a couple of times. So the Emmet had like plexi everywhere, like everyone separated, doing everything fine. But there was still that element of like, okay, I don't know what you guys are doing. Right. So visually, I see everything and I feel safe, but I don't know how seriously you're actually taking it. And that's not to slander the Emmet. Like I'm sure they're doing everything great, but there's that there's still that trust thing yeah so i don't see myself going to a restaurant anytime soon but um i do like the idea that people are allowed to open up yeah because i mean i'm sure i'm sure everyone's experiencing this just like the restlessness of everything like little little things that i'm just like um you know like I, I guess you you know you t- took it for granted, but like just being at a restaurant and like not having to do your own dishes, <laughs> and it's like I'm so sick of doing dishes. It sucks. I feel like I'm doing dishes all day, but um, yeah, I miss I miss yeah those sorts of things uh, for sure. Uh, and I want the I don't know how how has your like creativity been in general. Um, I'm not sure. I don't really have anywhere to put it, so I don't know. I mean, like I'm, I'm practicing and playing a lot, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that counts as creativity, but for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I'm not, I'm definitely not writing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm finding this the same with myself. 
my Sibelius was a kind of was expired for about a month and I I re-upped the subscription and then I was like, I should yeah, all right, I'll do some writing. And it was like not even close. <laughs> like no, um so I don't know. Um yeah, what was what, what I was gonna say was like I feel like I need the uh the work to be there for to get me to put the energy in that direction, you know? In the writing direction or the creativity direction? Yeah, maybe specifically in the in the writing direction. Cause I'm I'm feeling myself like just because I'm I'm teaching so much, like I'm putting sort of creative energy into the the teaching side of things. Just like uh you know, in the kinds of songs I'm getting my students to do and putting, you know, definitely more work into a little bit of prep and then, uh, like making charts for my students. And like, uh, so in that regard, I'm using Sibelius a ton, but, uh, it's, it's all like student charts. So at, by the end of this lockdown, I'm going to have a book of beginner ukulele music, like (laughs) ready to be published. Um, you could, you should start a ukulele school. Yeah. That would go over huge. Yeah. I mean, that's already a big chunk of, uh, (laughs) my students. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It's it's funny because it like works. I like, I, even certain songs, like I can get, uh, certain students to play like all of me. All right. I, I had one student do Bewitched. I was like, "Whoa, that's cool." It's a lot of it's a lot of chords. Yeah. <laughs> well, you like you, you know, the instrument has certain limitations, so you sort of uh, iron out the uh, rough edges, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, make it palatable for uh, a six-year-old. But um, it works. Yeah. Jesus, teaching a teaching a six-year-old ukulele over Zoom—it's <laughs> like. Yeah, I don't. Uh, what? That's that's some wild shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But one, I, I, f- I feel like uh, I've I've hit a a thing where I can just shift gears and um, you know, because because there is like the job aspect of it, right? Like I can't really be impatient and be like, like, come on, you don't know what a treble clef is either. <laughs> like, how? <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you kids, you know? <laughs> <laughs> go get go get your parents. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it's it's just like a different gear of, of just like uh you don't know these things and I'm going to be the the first one to sort of introduce you to them. Which is kind of cool in a way, uh but um man, I like so I was thinking about this uh maybe in the last couple months where it's that little so you know when you do like a like a creative gig or like a really uh just like a fulfilling gig in in some regard right mm-hmm. and like you've got like at the end of it don't you feel like kind of energized and like uh i guess like fulfilled or you know some some kind of extra energy in a sense yeah for sure at the end of it and so that hasn't happened for me since like beginning of March. Right. 
and I'm missing that so much. I think if I was to, I mean, uh, so many other things are sort of lumped into that, uh, that notion, but, um, cause, cause I could also say like, oh, I miss, uh, improvising with other people and playing creative music or just playing any music with other people. Right. Um, but I feel like at the end of the day, it's, it's sort of like that little, like little spice of life sort of thing. It like that feeling I don't get from my, my life currently. Right. And I, and it, it made me think like, Oh my God, if people who have like other jobs and don't feel fulfilled, like, or have, have those moments where like the, the same feeling we get after like a good gig, um, if people don't have that and they just live their life, I'm like, Oh my God, I think this is what it feels like. It's like just week after week passes by and it's like, can't wait for the weekend. You know, <laughs> it just, uh, I've never experienced it to this level before. And I'm like, man, there is, I know what's missing and it sucks that it's missing, you know? Yeah. So we're about like, we're at that point where you played at the Rex a couple times this summer right? or like whatever yeah i played once and then i was supposed to play the friday that uh all the restaurants got shut down again oh nice <laughs> yeah so yeah <laughs> tom sent me an, an email and he was like uh yeah so your gig tomorrow not gonna happen uh and he's like i'll, I'll see you when i see you sort of thing so um if that so that was like that happened we reopened about six months in mm-hmm and now we're we're quickly approaching like another six month mark or have we uh october november december january yeah wow damn so like i don't know where i would be without like i had that those a couple feelings when i played those shows yeah i had a couple of those like uplifting moments mm-hmm. and i don't know where i would be at this moment if those moments didn't happen right uh so i'm not sure what happens now because i feel like it's going to be longer than this period before i get to play music again i feel like it's going to be longer than the first one mm-hmm. yeah unless unless we're hit with like some good like some remarkably good news at some point soon, but, um, I just don't know what happens <laughs> next. There's that, uh, to go back to what you, what you said about that feeling and not kind of being unsure of what, of how people live without that feeling. <laughs> and, uh, I can't remember. I think it was. Do you watch all the comedians in cars getting coffee? I've, I, I'm pretty you, sure I've seen all of them. Yeah. I think there's. It might be. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's from that show. But they talk about like. Uh, it might have been the Chris Rock episode. Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. But okay. there. The point is, this isn't my my th- original thought. Um, they talk about how they don't understand how people live without killing (laughs) 
Right. Like they don't know how someone goes through life without feeling what it's like to just like make a room that energy from a laugh or what or whatever you however you describe it. But I think about it a lot. It's like one of those things that we're uh I don't know how to live with I don't know how to live without it. Right. Yeah. I think it's um I mean, it's got to be part, partly like a, I mean, or at least this is my experience. It's a bit of an adrenaline rush for sure. Uh, yeah. And I think that that sensation doesn't come from any other part of my life. Like there's nothing I want to do that creates an adrenaline rush. Like I'm not like a dangerous person. Uh, so I'm not going to go skydiving or, or, you know. Uh, do anything crazy like that so yeah I'm, I'm missing missing that for sure and um i don't know i i guess i uh, it i i just see how week after week it could feel like you're stuck somewhere whereas i never ever felt that until i guess you know this whole deal happened. Yeah, but I mean, like you, like it's it's very literal. Like before, we literally were not stuck, and now we are literally stuck. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full stop. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, that the, the adrenaline rush thing is like I went from even maybe not the same thing, but I went from playing hockey three times a week to zero times a week yeah no hockey no gigs <laughs> right you were you were doing that before before march right you were playing hockey pretty regularly yeah yeah that's great and then i played once in the summer just before the numbers started to go back up yeah and i didn't play again yeah so uh, God, i'm like so f- this this fucking government. <laughs> yeah. They're incredibly anti-hockey and it's making me so much more mad than anything else. Right. Yeah. Cause if it's uh if you know, an outdoor rink, I'm not a virologist, but it seems like it's uh, anything outdoors is, you know, Probably a lot safer than going to a grocery store. Yep. I, I, um, I play, the, well, specifically this Monday night league that I was in, or not not a league, but I, I play on a team in a league. And they have this, for like 15 or 20 years, they've been doing this outdoor game, outdoor inner squad game on Monday nights. So they just play against each other you just it's like the shinny rules you just bring a light in the dark and you get to put on a team and you just play against your own team and we got word that that was going to start up again and then a bunch of people in the email thread were like uh i don't know sounds kind of what if we get sick kind of thing and there's some nurses on the team and they're like well listen if you think if you think that this is less safe than going to a grocery store you've been terribly misled right, right and 
I'm going to wear like this. These nurses were like, we're going to wear masks because we feel like it's our responsibility. But we wouldn't even be mad if you guys show up and you don't wear masks to play hockey. Oh, wow. So I was like, so I was like, okay, so this is, this is safe. This is great. What do we, let's go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Canceled. (laughs) Well, yeah, like I, I live, uh, I live around Cabbage Town and there's a lot of small stores in that area. And, um, especially like if uh you can't help but notice it where like you know a hairdresser or something you know you pass by and like they'll literally put it on uh on the window where it says like uh x number of customers served since this date uh uh and like other little bullet points and then at the bottom it says and zero covid cases because they knew they did like the contact tracing and so it uh yeah like i i I share your frustration with that for sure uh and also like the certain certain businesses where it's just like look doesn't if this isn't the problem then why shut it down because um certainly in december when yeah cases were just like going up and up and up and up and we had already been locked down for weeks and uh you know i was i was i would just say i'd be like it feels like nothing works it's like why (laughs) what what are we doing if it's not working figure out what would work and uh let's do that like i'm on i'm on board like let's let's do whatever we can to to get get out of the situation for sure but um closing the knickknack store around the corner uh that has like two people at a time allowed in it it's you know it's it's like i think there's a point where uh they as much as i dislike these people that make the rules for us regardless of what party they are in yeah um I think there's just a certain point where they're just flailing. Oh yeah. yeah. And they're like, all right, there's, <laughs> there's 4,000 cases a day. <laughs> Nobody leaves their bedroom. No more FaceTime calls. <laughs> Don't talk like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's the internet. Everyone off the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like there was a point, there was a point where over Christmas people in Edmonton weren't allowed to gather outside. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I guess we're, we're not really allowed to gather outside, but right. they like really locked down. And I just thought like, it's like, what are, what are we <laughs> um, fucking wear, wear a mask, wear three masks, right? <laughs> stand away, stand away from each other. Yeah. But I don't know. There was uh so in my building, uh, my building's really neat. So they shut off the water probably once every month and a half. Uh, uh, no explanations ever given, but I'm, sh- I'm sure it's very important uh, that they shut off the water for an entire day. And uh, so this is right after like the, you know, they did the, lo- the, the most recent lockdown where they're like, okay, this time for real guys, you know, <laughs> like we got locked down for real. And then, so uh, I don't know, a week into this thing, they ended up shutting off the water and the, w- the way they let you know is they put uh uh like printouts by the elevators and they're like you know 
why are you shutting down this day? And the day after, so like you just prepare for it. You didn't fill kettles and, you know, fill water bottles and pots and pans with water just in case. And um, so the next day, someone hand wrote on that poster by the elevator uh, saying something like, uh, the government told me I can't leave my apartment, so I didn't see this sign, and I was completely unprepared for the the water <laughs> shutdown. <laughs> it's like it's not funny, but it's like fuck. Yeah, I don't know. What do you uh, have, have you been? I've been reading up on the. I, I don't know if you want to make this an entire thing about uh, uh, COVID things. But well, that that's what they've been about for the last year. So <laughs> why stop now? <laughs> Have you been reading much about the vaccines or no? Not really. Oh, okay. Um, I once I once I read an article about this doctor that purposefully gave some patients in the states expired vaccine. Just Ooh. and his thought process was. I wanted them to think they were vaccinated. I was like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the the problem with COVID is that you haven't updated your vision board to not get the virus, you know. Correct. <laughs> Put your dream catchers in place and get ready, you know. <laughs> um no, like uh the the good things I've been I've been reading about it is so you know when uh you know, some company will come out and say it's like 94% effective, right? Yeah. And so you go like... Is there one that's 94% effective? Uh, I don't want to say... Because I might be wrong. I think it might be the Moderna one. Okay. Um, or Pfizer. You know, one of those. Uh, and so you go like, what about the other 6%? You know? And it it turns out how those how those studies are conducted is so ninety four percent of like the tens of thousands of people that they uh, did the trial on ninety four percent of them didn't get sick at all, but then the other six percent if you get any symptoms of any kind if you get like a runny nose it gets dumped into that six percent so out of like ten huh. and uh, apparently out of like tens of thousands of trial uh patients i guess it'd be called but uh only one was severely sick with covid so it like uh really reduces the uh you know being hospitalized or being very sick from it it would at least uh drastically reduce the uh severity of it so once i once i heard that i was like well Everyone get it. Let's get it. Everyone just you know, line up around the block. Let's uh, if we can reduce it to no one ending up in a hospital once you get it, then it essentially becomes uh, you know closer to a non-issue, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I th- like it's just it's nice to. Uh, it's nice to feel like we're definitely on the back half of this. Yeah, the fact that uh, there there are a lot of vaccines uh, around, right? Potential for them. I mean, you and I are going to be like some of the last people to be allowed to get one. 
So if it's on track, right, this should be by the fall at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, I like, I'm sort of even maybe on the, not that I don't want to get it, but I wouldn't be surprised if by the time it becomes our turn, they're just uh, like, uh, get it if you get it if you want kind of thing like uh, but right whatever who knows yeah yeah i don't know um i think i'm i'm not to be a conspiracy person or a whatever but i'm thrilled that there's people getting it before me oh yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but but it also sort of answers the question of uh at the beginning of this, the the question of like, okay, what if we put the entire scientific world behind one thing, right? And how fast could like, you know, what what do they say vaccines typically take like five years or so? Something like so, some, yeah, something like something. that. Uh, and then it's like, okay, what if? But what if you put all the resources and all the smart people, uh, you know? all that energy in one direction, how fast could you actually make one, you know? And so we kind of have an answer for, for that. So now there's no excuses, right? <laughs> it's like, it better be that fast or faster next time. If there is a, if there is something else in the future. So, um, yeah. So, oh, if this happens again, <laughs> well, like every once in a while, like we listen to a podcast by you know some someone who owns a lab coat or something, and then they'll say something like, you know, this could just be the dress rehearsal for like the next big more uh, more deadly virus. And I'm like, shut up! <laughs> we got to get through this one first. <laughs> Don't be talking that nonsense. <laughs> uh, you think we'll get to? We'll probably get to do some playing in the summer. I think people are going to be just itching, you know. Oh yeah, everyone it, like everyone's going to like. So everything will just be organized outdoors, and summer will allow for that. And all these places that had. Uh, budgets for like indoor music we'll be able to sort of reallocate that to outdoors and so like think about uh or what comes to mind first is maybe the jazz festival so they would do some outdoor stuff and then you know they would have their indoor concerts but what if they just reallocated all that to all outdoor festivities right yeah that that outdoor those outdoor stages in yorkville or yep Yorkville. i always yeah okay um that's uh that's great that's the that sort of finally actually felt like a jazz festival these last few years yeah i i know uh i know as as a consumer for sure i uh i enjoyed one show being done and being like oh another one starting in like 20 minutes or something and we just got to walk yeah. over there or you could like grab a bite to eat in between yeah. or something like back in the back in the old days of like basically having to pick one thing a day 
Yeah. And in in effect, that's not really like fest, you know. Yeah. Festivus. <laughs> um, it, man, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> if I don't get the jazz festival this year, <laughs> I like, like, for real. Did you submit? Like, you submitted, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, uh, like, travel's obviously going to be suspended. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't. So, I, it's got to be like all local acts, right? This year. So we. That's what. That's what you th- you would think, but. I mean, who if knows? You, especially like the kinds of acts. I mean, there's a lot of confounding factors, right? The kinds of acts that would fly in to play the festival are probably this summer going to be like. I don't. I don't need this gig. Why would I risk anything? Right. You know, I don't want right. to travel and then uh, stay in a hotel, you know. Yeah. But there's also the other hand of, like, if there's no gigs going on um, and the jazz festival can afford to pay whoever, like, their sure. 40 grand for a show or whatever, yeah. like, uh, like, during these times, I would certainly fly somewhere, quarantine in a hotel for two weeks, and then play a gig. You know, like if you're in if you're in that bracket of right. this is how much we're gonna get paid. So who knows? Like there might be that's true. I could swing. Might either. be a possibility, like for like those Nathan Phillips Square shows or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, but. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, this summer get to start doing some yeah. actual playing. I was pretty set on s- keeping sessions going through this, mm-hmm. but then I woke up through the second shutdown. But then I woke up one morning and we were at like three thousand cases, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, this got a little nuts." Um, I was, I was doing. A couple sessions at Terry Parker's studio yeah. Yeah, yeah. thing, and and there's like essentially no one in there, mm-hmm. and you wear masks while you play, and it seemed pretty safe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the options are. Did you play um, at all this summer, or like how did you? Yeah, I had a uh, had a few uh gigs like outdoor outdoor gigs. Um one yeah, like a wedding, an engagement party. Um one of my first ones back was an engagement party in a backyard. And at that point I hadn't really played a gig since, you know, early March end of February sort of thing. And it was a four hour solo gig. Oh. And then, so I was already way out of shape, right? <laughs> so then I did four, four, four hours. And then at the end, uh, the my point of contact came up to me and uh, she was like, hey, can you stay for another hour? And <laughs> I was like, I was like, this might be my 
last gig for a long time. And I was like, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, like, you know, searching my brain for more rep, like any rep I had left, you know, <laughs> I was like, I didn't budget my rep for five hours. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Like, what does anyone do for that long in real, in like in life? Uh, <laughs> what do you do for that long? There aren't really act, like asking someone to play guitar for that long. Like imagine asking someone to just, Hey, yeah. Can you, can you do a speech at my wedding? Uh, I'm going to need you to talk the entire time, yeah. <laughs> four and a half hours. And, uh, we'll see you on the other side. Okay. Right. right. Have fun. Like there's not, like if you if you said sit on the couch and watch a show for four hours, I'd be like, oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> Even with breaks, I'd be like, I, I probably want to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, so I did that. Uh, you know, uh, that's a that's a marathon. It, it was like... absolutely a marathon, and m- more than like the physical exhaustion of it, I think, or maybe equal to the physical exhaustion was I was just like so spent mentally. I was like my brain was so fried at the end of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, I was like, you know, sick of hearing myself play, <laughs> uh, for that long. Uh, and I think I, yeah, as soon as I got home, I think I just crashed and, uh, but yeah, I mean, a couple of live stream things here and there. Um, but did you do any like sessions or, or anything? Uh, no, no, nothing that was like that I can think of. I think, well, had I, had I known we'd be going into, uh, I guess this amount of a lockdown and like seeing what the case numbers would be and stuff, probably should have taken a bit more advantage of the, uh, you know, the summer, summer weather in that regard. <clears throat> yeah it's tough yeah it's tough to uh whatever <laughs> <clears throat> um hey have you ever heard of this book uh called goodle eschel or escher bach or geb as it's called <laughs> is on tight i don't know uh what what no what is it uh it's really cool i don't uh i don't know if i can totally describe it yet without having finished it but it's like the using the works of so goodle i'm sure i'm saying his name wrong uh was a mathematician uh mc asher the artist and then j.s bach right uh, and sort of using their three bodies of work, uh, and showing sort of the, how, how they intertwine and sort of, uh, touch upon similar themes, even though like very different mediums. Right. So like uses of like positive and negative space, uh, with like Escher, it's like light and dark, uh, sort of things. And with Bach, you can talk about um different tonalities or like on beats and off beats but there's this one 
part that I got to most recently that I've been <clears throat> or that sort of caught my attention. It's called re- recursion, and it's about how uh, or he relates it to music in how you can go. <clears throat> you have like you have your tonic key, but then you can modulate to some other key, and uh, so even though like you've established the main tonic key and you modulate to another key once you go back to the tonic key uh your subconscious brain remembers the whole thread of how you went to the new key and then went back to the home key so the sort of easier example or my more tangible example uh is you know when uh if you watch uh something on the news and you know you have like the main host and then they're like, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to this person over here for weather. And then, uh, you know, the weather person is like, all right, we're going to send it down to Sandra who's on, you know, you know, in the windstorm or whatever. So that like those different levels uh, uh, is what's called recursion. So you can think about and then like all of a sudden you zoom back to like the main uh, host or the, mo- uh, the main anchor. And you don't think like, oh, I was just taken for a ride or like uh, taken in a different direction for a while because uh, it's not very jarring. Um, so but what's what's interesting is how I once I read this section, I realized how uh, in comedy that happens all the time. So like t- tons of examples, but like uh, uh, happens a lot with uh, Dave Chappelle where he'll start a story and he, he like so seamlessly goes into other stories that you don't really realize that he started a new joke, but then the punchline comes back to the beginning of the story. And that's what's so funny about it is he surprises you by, uh, going back to it, but your conscious mind doesn't keep track of the story as it's going or like you're, you're at the point in the story that he's telling as he tells it. Right. And you're not really Mm -hmm. remembering the thread, but your subconscious mind remembers the whole thread. And then, so when he goes back to the, the, beginning of it that's why the punchline lands so hard is because your subconscious mind remembered that whole thing and it makes it that much heavier so uh same thing happening in music when you move around in different keys so your brain subconsciously keeps track of what the uh the main key that uh your ear wants to get back to all the time so i thought like uh you know without without it being sort of exemplified like that i was like oh man like uh we do that all the time in especially obviously in composition right um but in yeah in improvising I, as well like that's why that's why like uh dissonance and uh different modulations technically work is be and how they don't become so discombobulating that the person is just like what's going on at all is because like you your subconscious brain is able to keep track of the thread of the story as, as you go, you know? Yeah. What's, uh, what's the word you used that, that Re- it's called? Recursion. Recursion. Yeah. Or the, that's what the, the word he uses in the book. I don't know how much it's, uh, stuck around. Cause this, this book is from 1979 and I was very, uh, skeptical. Any science philosophy sort of thing that, uh, is old. I'm pretty skeptical of. Uh, yeah. And also furthermore on that thought, it's like any 
any science art book. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> that's, uh, oh. um, but this sounds interesting. I have it open on Amazon right now. Oh, nice. But yeah, I'll so, so I was, uh, yeah, yeah, seeing this from the, the seven, 1979, uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to read anything that old because, uh, usually something has come along or someone has come along and been like, all right, that was a good idea, but here's an even better, like, clear way of explaining it. You know, they've, mm-hmm. more research has come out, so you usually want to keep that stuff pretty up to, up to date. But so this is so <laughs> going back to the beginning of uh, where I even heard about this book when uh, when Bob Shields was doing his PhD, he was reading this book and he told me about it. So this is like ten years ago, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that looks interesting, but it was like a it's a huge book right and i was like i don't want to read something that long and uh what for whatever reason it stuck with me and then i emailed him i was like hey is this still worth reading and then he was like oh yeah it's great i still like i still think about th- ideas in this book uh to this day and then he sent me like a published uh uh article that he had written as like a review of the book uh and i read that and I, once i read that i was like all right well I'll uh, dive in. It's I should. It's hard. It's really uh, well, like I should just speak for myself. Uh, coming from you know, I have a degree in music, uh, and not in mathematics or visual art. Uh, I find it it's pretty difficult. Like, uh, but really enjoyable. Right. Like, I honestly can't put it down. All right, I'm not gonna read it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't need any extra challenges at this point in my life. Um, <laughs> No, I'll, I'll probably check it out. I think um, thinking about this idea more, that, that's like, might be the entire, that might be my entire concept. Yeah. That's like the only thing that I base, I guess it depends how you break it down, but that's essentially just tension and release. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Um. And that's all I, Yeah, that's like the only thing that I know. What What's funny now, because I'm like uh, super interested in all the, all the music theory things and like I enjoy it and I love it. And, but it seems like the punchline at the end of, or not, not at the end of, but at some point you come to uh, an agreement with, yourself where it's just like oh everything is just tension and release right so mm-hmm. these are all just different mechanisms to create tension and release which, right which is great i need more uh options you know <laughs> mm-hmm. the more the more sort of tools you can give me the better uh and i can pick and choose from there i've i've kind of like i don't know if i've ruined my my ears but um i can based on how i hear music and like the things that i've listened to and the the ways that i practice and the ways that i play i think that i can like i can trick my own ears into thinking i can just trick my ears into thinking that all the notes are tonal like everything like i can 
I fucked with my shit for so long that nothing sounds wrong. Okay, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Which is a... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I like the idea of it because then it takes your... I mean, especially because, like, you you write, right? So uh, you want your... Or this is how I approach it, is you you want your sort of analytical brain almost out of it and whatever information seems to occur to you you don't want to uh you don't want to push anything out just yet like maybe somewhere along the process you would filter out ideas but uh in the beginning you want that faucet like all the way open you know so not not being tied to a certain tonality and being like but it has to be in this key you know uh is uh I could, you know, I could see that as a super useful composing idea and it, improvising idea, right? If if you're just getting like uh, the ego, ego out of everything and not because uh, you don't want to be wor- like that's got to be the worst thing ever if you're like improvising or composing and you're like worried about music theory while you're doing it, like then you're just doing an exercise. That's not like. Yeah, that's not the goal, uh, or that's not what I'm trying to get at when I'm when I'm writing. I, you know, I can, I, I want everything to just flow as much as possible. I'll get out of my own way in a sense, and then uh, if I want to, like, I'll go back and analyze it. I'll be like, oh yeah, this follows this rule, follows that rule, and uh, I, you know, wasn't uh, paying attention to it at the time, but the information's already in there, so I don't need to. Uh, worry about it too much and that's that's sort of the, always the overarching if, if we are to call it a rule is uh that like what you're hearing as a melody is always going to be should always be the top of the pyramid in terms of what's in charge you know whether it's conscious or not like like melody I feel like this is maybe not the case for for musicians, maybe, but I think for like the just like the everyday music listener, sure. I think melody <clears throat> melody wins regardless of what's going on elsewhere. Like you can mm-hmm. you can manipulate a lot of things when you're. I guess I'm specifically talking about improvising. Sure. But if you're playing like if you're if you're lost on some tune that you're playing and you just play some strong melodies, you can. I mean, if I can trick myself, I'm pretty sure I can trick other people, you know, you know, <laughs> like. It's just mel- Yeah. Yeah. Because me- that, melodies. At, at the end of the day, you can look at. Yeah, it's it, it's anything, right? It's voice leading. It's. You know, single note playing, it's bass lines, it's rhythmic melodies, right? And mm-hmm. how it all sort of uh, has a relationship with each other element going on. If there are other elements going on, right? So Yeah. That um I like that analogy that you used with the keeping the tap keep or keeping the faucet on full. Right, yeah, yeah. I think right now in my where I'm at with specifically like practicing electric bass, the 
the faucets are on. <laughs> Basement's getting flooded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's great. That's a. Are you sort of like when 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 you go into that? Are you are you like intentionally doing that? Like, are you are you going into like practice, or are you just like sitting down at the base, not knowing what's going to happen for how long? Or are you like, okay, I've got an hour. I'm going to focus on. Uh, I haven't sat down with a plan to practice probably since uh since school okay i usually just pick up the bass and then like whatever whatever i end up getting into is what i get into and if i don't get it and do anything and i put the bass down after five minutes it is what it is but i i just like i made myself a pretty hard rule of like when i when i found out like i was it's easy to burn yourself out especially when you're a student and uh yeah absolutely my main goal is just keeping this fun you know so i don't really just and especially now like i've just got have days and days and days to practice until the end of time i don't know are you a scheduler kind of practicer or uh i'd say I'd say it used to be. Uh, and then when things got really busy, it was more gig oriented. So I would be like, okay, I've got a certain amount of time to prep this for a gig and I need to get to it sort of thing. And then you end up like working on things anyway. Right. Mm. So like, you know, difficult chord passage passage to improvise through like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't, you know, yeah, you get to like sort of plug another hole in my in my playing, right? Um, or like, you know, just brass tacks of, of things of just like getting more sight reading together, uh, sort of boring things like that. But um, in terms of uh, just keeping things as as I would have in like in school it's not it's not as structured as that where like before it'd be like okay i've got this much time to warm up this much time to work on rep this much time to run like arpeggios because i um sort of as we were talking before like in a sense i've done a certain amount of, of that work and doing more of it doesn't change much you know so mm-hmm. like if i if i spend tomorrow just working on like major seven arpeggios doesn't change that much about my playing right whereas when i was like 19 yeah i needed to put in the work to be able to uh hear those things and be able to play them easily uh sort of thing so like the the like technical aspect uh is is less urgent than I guess it used to be. And now it's more of like, uh, uh, you know, broader strokes sort of ideas of like, uh, not, uh, not getting in, in, in my own way with ideas and, uh, yeah. how, How can I be like less methodical and more, more free or more in the moment of, uh, like when improvising. So, 
But th- like those are all things I can work on without even playing the guitar. It seems right. You can just like listen to music and try and understand or just absorb what someone else is doing. You know, right. And it's less uh, it's less important that I just like be able to shred through scales because <laughs> like the uh, all that's all that work is it has has been done. And I don't need to uh, you know practice patterns anymore because they're not serving me in the same way that I feel is useful. Uh, but like, had yeah, had you asked me that like, you know, ten years ago, I'd be like, <laughs> you know, and this is when I work on scales, and this is when I work on arpeggios, and this is you know, mm-hmm. you know, sh- pl- you know, making sure I can place an altered scale uh, starting on you know the end of beat one or something, uh, so I can land on a chord tone that resolves to the minor chord. Right. Yeah. Like I don't even, I don't think I, I'm not sure if I remember what an altered scale even is (laughs) at this point. Hey, I've got some spots open in my studio. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the one that's everything's altered? Everything's lowered. Yeah. Major three, but everything else is lowered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventh mode melodic minor. Minor melodic. However you want to say it. Hmm. Yeah. It's all in there somewhere. Right. <laughs> but it's just a sound, right? It's just a tool. Uh, and I guess I always enjoyed when, uh, when I was in school, I enjoyed uh, know- knowing those sorts of things so that I had the option of using it. I guess. Um, right. Cause like, and this, this is something I talk about with my students is like practice, practice, practicing is almost like the point of it is that eventually like you have information in your brain going through your hands, through the instrument, and then people hear it and you hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear it through the instrument. And essentially what practicing does is it's getting the instrument out of the way. We just happen to choose, you know, in this case, the guitar as a way of uh, getting those ideas out into the world. So if you can eliminate that, like any resistance from your brain to your fingers, getting getting around the fretboard or whatever, then all the better. You're going to come out. Right. Uh, you know, I don't want to think about technical aspects of my playing while I'm improvising. I feel like that's the antithesis of of my goal of, right. of uh, being uninhibited in that way. Right. So early, early on in our careers, when we were at school at the same time and you were learning scales to uh, increase your knowledge of the instrument, <laughs> I was learning scales purely to convince my teachers that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> right. Well, so I went through this process more than once. They're like, so you got to play these scales. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, you got to play these scales. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll learn these scales. And then it's just like, they're in me. Right. Now, cause I've gone through that process several times with several teachers, mm-hmm. but as soon as I walk out of that room and they're like, all right, you know these, 
it is gone. So it's like a test. It's just like oh yeah yeah. It's like a geography test. Like I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know where Russia. Is. No, I, I yeah. know where, where Russia is. But. <laughs> it reminds me of a Simpsons quote where uh, I don't know someone's subbing into the the classroom and they're like, it "Took them forty minutes to I to like point out Canada on a map." <laughs> it's like where's uh, where's Russia? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's not um, like do. do did you just find that the like was that the entire goal of of learning any of that stuff was just like to tick a box for the teachers and then uh, I think so. Yeah. I think well I mean I guess it I guess it depends what you mean by any of that stuff, but Sure. I think pretty quickly I learned that if I'm relying on what I know opposed to what I'm hearing and they're sometimes often the same thing, but usually in the moment you react to what you're you react to what you're hearing instead of reacting to what something is and then do you know what I'm saying? Give give like a a really simple example. Uh I don't know. So like you're you're playing a blues and Oh fuck, I don't know. Um I don't think this is what you were talking about, but uh, now that you mentioned blues, was when uh, this was like a shock to me coming to music school, and they were like, "Yeah, so uh, on like the this can't really dorky for any listener who isn't a musician." Uh, <laughs> uh, they were like, "Yeah, use the Mixolydian scale in in a blues," and like I would play it, and I'd be like, "This isn't blues." You know, it's it's right. minor pentatonic, right? That's exactly <laughs> that's what the blues is. But but what? And I was like, but what you're telling me is like chord tones, and the chord tones are found in the Mixolydian scale. And I see how that makes sense in terms of the relationship between the two things. But uh, and then that was sort of one of my first experiences of like, oh, if I if I just play the like a certain scale over a certain chord um that that was the first time where i like distrusted that you know right where i was like it doesn't have to be like you know here's this block and it goes on top of this block uh because the notes line up in a way that is visually pleasing on uh staff paper you know right so yeah so that's kind of what I'm talking about. But like, so you're, uh, in a, in a position where you're playing with people and your ears are failing you and you have to rely on your knowledge of harmony mm-hmm. to just get yourself through a situation. I always like, um, breaking thing down, things down into triads. Hmm is like a way more um it just makes so much more sense to me just like thinking thinking about like triads in order on top of each other opposed to thinking and it's all the same it's just a way of breaking Mm -hmm. down information but thinking in smaller groups of notes 
is just like has always been like way easier for me to navigate. Mm -hmm. So I think scales for me have always just been like, oh, I see, yeah. What like what are we? Um, they're useful. On they're very useful on the upright bass. I think when you're learning the instrument and like specifically, I would say that specifically the only time I actually work on scales is starting in thumb position and going down. Okay. So you start at the top of the scale. Yeah. Just to make your brain work in a different way almost. Yep. But uh, other than that, like whenever I'm thinking about what notes technically belong where, it's always like triads. So do do your uh, tunes sort of reflect that? Are there a lot of like slash chords and things like that, or is it like yeah, a lot of? Yeah, but triads? it's mostly it's mostly uh, it's mostly like improved slash chords. So okay. yeah, what what do you mean by that? Uh, I I write a I. I do melodies and bass notes, essentially. Cool. Yeah. So anyone who's playing chords in my band has to just figure it out, you know? <laughs> like, um, but you can't, you can't go that far in the wrong direction. Like, if, if you know... If I'm playing, if the chart says that I'm going to play a G and I play a G mm -hmm. and someone else plays a couple other notes on the guitar, you're not going to stray that far. Right. Like as long as it doesn't clash with the melody. Right. But I guess you would, uh, whoever's doing the uh, harmonic work is really has to just pay attention to the melody. Like pretty closely right yeah and and hear and and see what's going on or not but i mean <laughs> if uh if you're playing a g and the melody is a b flat and i go straight for you know a g major chord and that's when that's that's, that's th when the fun happens okay okay i see i see we go okay now what <laughs> um but I, I i guess what i'm asking further like i understand that that's a, that's a possibility that you're going for but is are are you sort of happy with whatever the outcome is generally yeah okay interesting um I think I'm just lucky. Yeah, it's like the more and more uh, you sort of use that effect, the composition effect, it seems like the more and more you kind of have to trust your band, right? Yeah, and and also like it's not fun if it goes well every time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like having known you for so long, I know that you like you know that chaos. Or like it, a little bit of it stirred into the, the like I've gone through I've gone through my books after rehearsals and gigs, and I erase notes that people make in my charts. <laughs> yeah. 
just to uh really show off the the differences in composition styles so i will do the same thing i'll take i'll take back my band's books yeah and i'll look at all the pencil markings and then i'll incorporate those pencil markings into a new version of the chart so that there's more clear information for exactly what everyone (laughs) should be expecting (laughs) it's so funny yeah i've like Alexi has gone through like at at one point or another Alexi has gone through and probably write written a chord in every bar <laughs> of all of my charts and I just go through and I'm like ah oh. did did he did he like say anything or uh did he roll with it he just rolled he rolled with it oh had a boy you know I don't know it's like it's the specifically guitar is like is the wild card for me like mm-hmm. right. like if if the horn players show up and they're not playing and they decide to not play the melody that I want it's problematic or if the drummer shows up and like starts playing in a different time signature mm-hmm. it's problematic you know but yeah, yeah but I guess that's that that's how it works right is like that's as long as everything is functioning around that then uh what what's going on in the harmony is um yeah that extra bit of color that's sort of happening that's interesting and and the like also the you can just not play yep (laughs) we're not gonna die right well these days we might die yeah (laughs) um did you did you always have you how long have you had this idea as like a compositional trick or a style um, or whatever you want to call it? I think almost immediately, but I didn't trust it. Uh because like probably everything probably all of my tunes that you've played since Yeah. have been written that way. Like the like the poacher, remember that one? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um that's like the first tune I ever wrote. Right. And it's just bass notes and melody. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if I had any. I don't remember there being some triads, though. I don't know. Maybe it's because we had so much time to, re- or like more time to rehearse. I felt like more relaxed with it. I wasn't like, oh, I got to figure out what's going on. Because we could we could sort of sit with it a bit longer, you know. I don't know. Um, you got any uh, you got any shows coming up? <laughs> <laughs> Want to plug your dates? <laughs> I started listening to uh, Good Piranha, Bad Piranha again. Oh, oh yeah. yeah you know what's funny too so uh with uh good piranha bad piranha uh like the same guitar players where i was like oh this is the shit like this got me from like rock blues rock into jazz so thinking like yeah wayne krantz osnoy like those those guys and like a ton of Chris Potter stuff. I'm sharing that with like my uh, students that are 
like teenagers and they love mm-hmm. it. And like they're having like the same reaction that I did. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh good, it's still awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause it is, right? Like um the fact that I can uh recommend, you know, Wayne Grant's album from nineteen ninety four and it's like, yeah, give me more Which of that one? stuff. Uh two drink minimum is one up oh, in yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that was that old. Yeah, I didn't either until like I think last week or something. I I you know peeked at the date and I was like, oh damn, this is old. Um, and like the yeah Oz Live, like Oznoy Live album, so good. All the Chris Potter Underground stuff, like all you know, it's all Adam Rogers, right? Um, all that stuff is awesome. It's just like great guitar playing, you know. That uh Krantz uh Carlock Lefave album. Yeah. That was that's one of my favorite iterations of that band. That album is still really good. See so I was out for a drive the other day and I put that one on first and I was like ah, this is not how I remember it. And then I put on good piranha, bad piranha, and I was like, Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Maybe I have to check that one out again. And I just wasn't in the mood for it. Could be. Um, cause I I I, just, I, le- I love his guitar tone so much, and, and his his Instagram posts recently have just been <laughs> so on point. I've only been seeing like little clips that like Tim uh, shares, but is he is he a good uh, good follow? Yes, yeah. I like I like uh, I mean he's been saying this for a long time but when he's like uh, he he put in more concrete terms of like I hear all these uh arrangements of standards that are so creative and so far from like the original Broadway tune that at some point you got to be like why don't I just write something original and <laughs> I was like yeah totally like write your own music you know yeah it's like he's right he's right about everything (laughs) (laughs) and i just found out that he has an app he's got the the humanome or whatever right yeah oh i do follow him well never mind uh when does this come out uh tuesday tuesday I actually have uh, uh, dates to plug, believe it or not. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is uh, very recent, but um, uh, yoga studio I've been uh, playing at for like the last four years or so. Uh, they've been doing classes online, and uh, so I'm doing... Uh, a like live stream through their platform every Friday, 8.15 to 8.45. Uh, just playing like solo guitar from my place. And um, uh, the it's like a donation class. And it goes towards uh, Fetch and Release, which is uh, the organization we've been fostering dogs through. So... Um, 
every Friday this month. And if it's good, it'll continue. Or it, if it's good, if it's uh, if it you know garners enough attention and participate participation, it'll continue. That's cool. What's the uh, what's the studio called? Uh, Kula, Kula Yoga. Kula. All yeah. Right. Nice. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um they're they're awesome. I've been I've been doing doing the yoga through them for just as long as I've been playing there. So, uh good uh good people there. Yeah. Sweet. Is this what you're spending uh spending your money on lately? Yep. Barden Beard Oil. B A A R D E N handmade in Toronto. Um you can use code knockout at checkout for twenty percent off your order. And they smell great. They work great. What more could you ask for? <laughs> <sighs> How are you feeling? Should we call it? Yeah, let's call it. I think uh, people are probably going to tune in.